are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Hello. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. However, we also like to have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks, thoughts on news of the day, or something a bit different. Uh, this is a, another hodgepodge episode as we, uh, as we begin August, the month of Crazy. August. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And um, summer just started. Right. Yeah. Um, but here we are in August now. And because there weren't like many like huge new really, we didn't want to do, we didn't want to spend 50 minutes on DC League of Superfans. <laughs> so we figured why not uh, do another hodgepodge where we can collect a number of thoughts on some other movies uh, that might have might have us finding some more interesting things to say about them. So uh-huh. uh, in addition to anything else we cover today, our, our main reviews, we're going to talk about the Gray Man and uh-huh. Resurrection. Ooh. Uh, so yeah, be one of the one of Netflix's biggest hits, and a small film coming to shutter. Define uh, hit, like number of views. A hit as far as it had the what the fifth biggest Netflix debut got it, as far got as the original okay. films go, and I mean they've already announced a Gray Man universe being created as we speak. Amazing! I can't wait for details on that universe. I, I, we I, I, we get we can get to it more when we get to our <laughs> review of the grip. I mean, there are some details out there, but um, it's the the nation has gray fever. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> Great, we've already got a whole bunch of other stuff going on. Now we got gray fever. Gray fever, Jeez. yeah. When are we going to get the vaccine for that? It, as, as soon as uh, Gosling gets out of that bathtub. <laughs> That's a nice guy's joke. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um, all right, let's let before we get to all before we get to Gray Fever and Resurrection, uh, we have plenty of other things to go over, including some show notes here. Uh, first up, new commentary track. Uh, last month we talked about Air Force One, which was a lot of fun. Um, especially given how serious that movie actually is, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, Brandon Yancey and Mark Hoffmeyer join me for that one. That's available now up on the old iTunes um we it's august now we have it's a new month and if i if things go the way i expect them to we actually plan to be doing an older film um <laughs> that that might not be expected so stay tuned we'll, we'll see where things go casablanca in that era okay <laughs> so, i'm looking forward to the maltese falcon uh that would be fun put that on the list i mean too. ace um, come on let's go sam spader mm-hmm. sam spader spade Spade, James yeah. Spader. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's his great grandfather. Great, 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 great. It's a it's a multiverse waiting to happen. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah. Uh, speaking of which, iTunes is where you can find more of this silliness, as long as our as well as our commentaries and our insightful reviews. Uh, you can search for out now, Theron and Abe. Sir, find our show, click on it, and be like, "Oh, there are these. They were right. There are a lot of shows here." And then be like, "Oh, hey, <laughs> they were right. <laughs> he, he wasn't pulling the people our that leg. recorded were right <laughs> that they did record a lot of hours of podcasts. Maybe, maybe we just made it up. Maybe this is our first episode. They don't believe. Fact check us, yeah. <laughs> but in, in addition to finding said said output of shows." You can also click the old ratings and review tab and give us a rating review. Pop us up in the old iTunes charts. Be much appreciated. Please write it in the 1920s uh, newspaper voice uh, where you just like, you know, um, extra, extra out there. Oh, oh no, that name is great. Uh, with, uh, you know, a lot of T's and a lot of exclamation marks. <laughs> okay. And then just just write what you're wearing. It's probably like a Bugle Boy hat, not like the brand, but, you know, the, those little street kids. <laughs> <laughs> Is that brand even around anymore? Bugle Boy? 
I'm sure, I mean, it's a kid brand, so I'm sure oh, it probably okay. is. Like, yeah. All right. <laughs> Good point. Uh, all right. But what else? Oh, of course, the summer movie gamble. Mm-hmm. How's Abe that going? I, it, it's going. It's going. Let me tell you. <laughs> Abe and I, along with many other guests of the show, are locked in to an intense competition right now where we've predicted what we think are going to be the top 10 highest grossing films of the summer at the domestic box office. So here's the update for this week. DC DC League of Super Pets opened to 23 million. A bit soft for an animated feature, but you know, still opened. Um and we'll we'll see what the what the carry is for a film like that. Uh Nope dropped about 58% I believe this weekend to make another 18 million. Is that uh, that kind of surprises me? Fifty eight percent. That's kind of a hefty drop. No, it's it's, it's not still like, making money, but it's still, like, it's still making, I was... like I'll just say like us uh, dropped fifty five and it's second okay, weekend. okay. It, so it's it, kind it, of a now. Granted, us opened to like seventy one. Like it was a huge yeah. opening for us. It, this is a horror movie to an extent, and it's all mm-hmm. you know, and it's weirder than the average summer movie. So like could expect a drop of that size it's certainly not monumental but yeah it's, yeah it's it's, not monumental. i guess i was just hoping that the carryover of people that went to go see it kept it going strong and saying like you should go see this in theaters i mean the things to keep in mind for a movie like nope for one thing it, it made 18 and it's at 80 it'll it'll top 100 in domestic alone mm-hmm. the on one hand i can't think of a director that's opened three r-rated block uh you know hit film well-reviewed hit horror movies mm-hmm. in a row i can't i don't have that offhand on me mm-hmm. uh it's it's not for nothing let alone from a black director so it's like mm-hmm. in in every term this movie is a hit like is it sure. as, yeah. will it be as sizable as get out or us perhaps we'll see honestly sorry right. worldwide takes it but you know it's it's leaving an impression uh, sure yeah per, perhaps less than was expected given that it's you know a summer release or what have you but even then for a movie that has no necess- no real stars as far as people that get people in seats and being a r-rated horror movie still doing pretty well <laughs> so okay. yeah um i i say this just because it applies to, to so many of our um our our picks for the for the for the gamble so mm-hmm. It will be. I will be curious. We'll all be curious where it actually ends up. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, Thor made another thirteen million. It's at three hundred and one total. Okay. Um, at this point, Minions uh, made ten. Is at three twenty. Okay. I don't think Thor crosses Minions based off the the numbers here. We got three more weeks to go. Four yeah, weeks. we got. Yeah, we got. We got about a month left. Yeah. And I, from where it looks like, I don't. I don't see Thor ramping up fast enough to Got like it. top where minions is just because they're both kind of making about the same okay um top gun made another eight million for 650 total <laughs> top gun just casually made eight million dollars this weekend after you I know mean, like two months three months of a release that's <laughs> a like, lot what? of money man 650 million dollars <laughs> yeah so that's like the top five other Got things it. to note elvis has made 128 domestic okay um, which is very good for elvis um, also very good. The Black Phone has made eighty-three million dollars. Great, uh, d- d- domestic. Like yeah. that's quite impressive for a movie like The Black Phone. And honestly, given the movies, puts it in contention to be in the top ten by the end of this summer. Like, there's a good, strong possibility that it could be number ten or number nine. So. Um, very good for for uh, all involved. Yeah, yeah. and uh, not involved in the summer gamble, but just something to point out. Everything, everywhere, all at once is now a 24s first film to cross a hundred million dollars worldwide. Yeah, I saw that news. Yeah, good for them. 
<laughs> fantastic and it got re-released in theaters this past weekend it got re-released with like great. eight minutes of like outtakes and stuff right but yeah. regardless it just got released back in theaters again and made yeah. more money than morbius did when it was re-released back in theaters i mean <laughs> what what are, what was the hashtag for morbius it's Does Mormon it, who, time. who cares it's yowin time that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. where are we sitting with the uh, jurassic world Jurassic World's at 369. Um, 369. So it's still like number two. Yeah, it's still okay. no. Um, um, Strange is still number two. Oh, Strange at 400 something. Strange, yeah, Strange has. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. Strange has. Or no, it has. Oh yeah, four four eleven. Yeah. Okay. Four eleven. Yeah. Okay. So it'd be Top Gun, Strange, Jurassic World, Minions, and then uh, then Thor. Thor. Yeah. I mean, un- I mean. <laughs> Minions I mean, have to make a lot of money, so yeah, I'm, not, I'm thinking of like a lot of people's uh, lists here, and I'm like, it'd be a jumble of points. It is, especially because yeah. the back end is so weird right now. Yeah, <laughs> as far as where things stand. How's my baby Marcel doing? <laughs> one one million. Uh, no, Marcel has made four million total. Yes. Good job. We 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 surpassed the odds. Marcel's doing just fine for that yeah, exactly. kind of movie at the yeah. box office. And he's happy. He has his family back. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So there's your there's your, there's a box office update as far Thanks as Star Movie Gamble goes. And now we can we can move on now. Let's get to some out of quickies. Trademark. That is trademarked. Okay. Not really, but we're working on it for the last eleven years. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've seen a number of things. I think I've seen a little bit more than you, so I'll start yeah, off and please. rattle off a few. Then maybe you can go, then I'll go again. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about DC Super League of Super Pets uh, first. Um, so this the, 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 the other new release. Yeah, the other new release. I mean, there's two there's two new releases this week. that I, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a few, honestly, that, I can, that I'm yeah. going to get into. But like as far as like the main theatrical releases go, DC League of Super Pets was the technically the big release of the week. Yeah, um, and it is uh, super meh. Is my takeaway from super it. meh. I, you know, given where we are right now, it doesn't seem like either of us are very excited about DC League of Super Pets. Um, and mm-hmm. after having watched it, I mean, yeah, it basically fulfilled what I expected. Where it's certainly colorful, it okay. has a lot of people in it, and it just doesn't muster up much energy to have gotten me very excited by it after watching mm. it. Like. I it certainly wants to appeal to like all audiences and it has um what's his uh, Jared Stern I believe is the director he, he's been involved in like some of the Lego movies or what have you uh-huh but it just it didn't like have much of a pulse to it like it it reminded me of the Lion King uh, remake where one of my <laughs> one, one of my issues was that it had just a great lineup of voice talents as far as like you know performers go and it just none of them really seemed that motivated outside of a couple you know like what the mm. Seth Rogen and um Timon and Pumbaa yeah, and what's his name? Billy, Nathan Lane. Uh, oh, no, that, that's Nathan a Lane cartoon. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm thinking of the good one. Billy. Um, Billy uh, Eichner. Billy Eichner. I was like, Billy on the yeah. street. Billy Eichner. Yeah. Like, they, they they were having fun here. This movie, uh, Kate McKinnon, she plays, like, the villain. Like, a, a hairless guinea pig that gets superpowers. She's clearly having, like, the most fun here. Yeah. But, like, the rest of it just, like, it's just kind of blah. Like, The okay. Rock and Kevin Hart, they... You know, they have are they just the rock and Kevin Harding it? The rock is okay. Hart's bringing some like he there's a mix up and there like there's a new di- there's a change up in how their dynamic is because the, super, the rock is Superman's dog crypto and he's mm-hmm. 
he loses his powers for most of the film and then like heart gets powers and so like the dynamic switched up as far as yeah he's you know the more powerful one but he's also right. doing the thing with his like he's less high energy like a lot of heart things are so it's like there's something there like there's just okay despite like the efforts to do something with this it just doesn't didn't it, like i laughed i i can count on one hand how many times i laughed it just didn't it was yeah. like just mildly amusing as being like generous okay. <laughs> oh <movie. laughs> okay it has you know the requisite amount of heart as far as the message that kids take away from this but it's just like yeah, yeah this is did pretty... you watch it at a screening or with the uh, i with got it i had a, in the audience i had a screener so oh, i got it oh you had a screen worry about it so. and you're like could i have been swayed by like hearing the audience laugh around me maybe but maybe I mean... but i don't know if that's gonna pay i don't think that'd be like too big of a sway i guess i was just curious if there were children just laughing at every scene but i'm sure that there were i mean it has like an a Somewhere. cinema score and like it has mostly good they reviews, pulled so it's the like, kids well they pull in general for cinema yeah. score so it's like you know some people are liking it but it's just yeah just pretty meh effort for mm-hmm. my for my liking okay uh the other film that came out is vengeance um this is the kind of comedy mystery written directed and starring bj novak yeah um he plays a a a um He's a New York writer and he wants to get into the podcast game. He wants, he's mm-hmm. trying to pitch ideas to Issa Rae's character who plays like a producer of podcasts. Um, and he gets news that a woman he's been hooking up with has, has died. Uh, mm-hmm. The family of her believes that he was more involved than he actually was because they found pictures of him and her together. Mm-hmm. And so he's told he needs to come to Texas to be a part of the funeral. Mm-hmm. Uh, upon arriving there, Boyd Holbrook uh, plays the brother of the character of the, of the, of the deceased uh, woman. And, he believes that she's been murdered so bj novak he gets this thing in his head where it's like i can make a podcast about this i can i can kind of stay with the family explore the leads he believes exist because he doesn't really believe in the murder yeah and, and see what it, see what he can take out of this as far as making a podcast about like life and stuff in this kind of area obviously it's picking up it's 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 satirizing this kind of culture as far as like crime true podcast crime. stuff. yeah true yeah. crime stuff goes but also the idea that he's you know a a coastal elite uh and he's blending sure. in with you know these people from texas uh the movie's pretty good and i will say it's it finds its footing as it goes mm-hmm. i think it leans a little bit on not making them these characters cartoonish but certainly making you know painting them in a certain light before you realize no the movie needs to adjust that and show you that the like you know the the the, the family he stays with and the people he's interacting with they are they are the ones that you want to root for in all of right. this. Yeah. And it makes and, and BJ Novak admirably doesn't want, you know, isn't afraid to make himself look foolish. Yeah. Um highest I, mark of any comedian. For sure. And I I wish the movie had more insightful commentary going on as far as what it was trying to do. Mm, and okay. I wish that I would and I wish the mystery was a little more mysterious. But <laughs> but it's still like on the whole, it's a very entertaining movie. I think it has some ideas on its mind that it does explore in an interesting way. And it's just generally well-made. Yeah. Um, and I'll also note Ashton Kutcher notably has a role in this movie. I've never had like any you know strong opinions about Kutcher. I think he's fine in things that he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. He's very good here. Um, he, he gets a couple of scenes to kind of do a certain thing. And I think he's quite good uh, in, the, in the way Novak, who I believe worked for Kutcher on Punked, 
on punked. Yeah, yeah, they used to write. He used to write for for yeah. punked. So he he wrote him a good part here for him to like nice. do something because Kutcher hasn't been around. But like beyond his like, I think that Netflix. Sitcom, he was doing that like, Netflix he, show, but, but that's it. He's you know yeah rich. Been taking care <laughs> of it. Yeah, he's been doing anything. Family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And defending defending the earth with his wife. Exactly uh, doing doing like charitable with Blair. Yeah, things, and so. and like you know giving us weird speeches out of the blue about how he's got to talk to his kids about racism, mm-hmm. which everyone was just like, um, he's not wrong, but also he's kind of like really missing the point in the speech but yeah yeah he's been kind of just like away behind the behind the curtain yeah. so if he you know he comes back for just you know one role it's like well it's a good role <laughs> <Okay. this job." laughs> so yeah that's a uh, dc that's vengeance uh, or sorry yeah <laughs> that's vengeance. <Back laughs> oh no was, dc super vengeance i had super vengeance on the mind again i could that would be amazing it. yeah they're just like this is a meta commentary about yeah. how you know, pets hear everything <laughs> i got i got a couple more but what do you what do you have what have you seen uh, I started watching the last movie stars on HBO Max. This is a documentary series from a uh, friend of the show, uh, Ethan Hawke. Um, and he's been making this. I guess he was approached by the Newman kids. One of the one of the Newman kids, Paul Newman's children. And was like, hey, we've got this big box of like archived uh, interviews. Um, and we'd love for you to kind of run with it. And this is interesting because I um I've finished chapter one mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, well that's a weird way for Netflix to, to write that, you know, these documentary films are part of a series. And then I was like, Oh, there's, there's actually, there's actually five more parts uh, to this entire, the last movie stars documentary. The reason why I said that that's very fascinating is because it actually leaves off chapter one leaves off at a fairly good point. And I found this documentary to be actually pretty complex in terms of what it's doing like part of it is like rose-colored glasses of the hollywood elite back in the day with like Lee Kazan and all these other movie stars talking about merlin brando giving like a history of like hollywood um what was going on with like uh all the movie stars back then and kind of just how like paul newman was coming up kind of being as like a, a, a character actor really um and then he kind of meets like his his future wife and the other part of it is like this weird acting challenge because what Ethan Hawke is doing is he's kind of he's asking a lot of his friends and people that he knows uh, through Hollywood to read the transcripts and take on these real life people. Um, and what's fascinating about that is you have these Hollywood people, again, like giving you line readings like there's there's a pretty fascinating section where he's talking to Vincent D'Onofrio just about how how to do line readings and Vincent D'Onofrio goes into like actor mode. Um, and then I think the other part of it, which I found super cool, is that it's like this weird, like, part COVID documentary, too. Like, just this is how we do things now during this time frame of 2020, where I have to record you via Zoom and the, the video quality is not great. But, you know, we still want to get these ideas out there. So it's it's all coming together in a very fascinating way. And again, am I surprised that there's five more parts? Pleasantly surprised that there's five more parts because I think it's a very fascinating documentary just to go through. If it ended at, at part one and I had never known that there was anything a little more, I actually would be pretty okay with that too because it leaves off in a in a well enough place. But um, I know that you've watched uh, more parts than I have. But do you have any thoughts on the last movie stars? Yeah, I've so I've seen up to three parts. I've seen half of it basically so far, mm-hmm. and I will say I knew going in that it was six parts, but I was curious. 
as to why it was six parts. So like, why mm-hmm. why is this project that Ethan Hawke's put together going to take six now. episodes? Yeah. Well, I, well, I, well, I thought about that before I started watching it, but then yeah, I yeah. watched the first episode and I was like, oh, I get, I see why. There's yeah. a lot here to delve into right. um, concerning Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward and just that period and where things go. I really like the approach. I think it's pretty... A pretty, a pretty spectacular effort, honestly, as far yeah. as the way he's gathered people, the way he's arranging all of these interviews to kind of coincide with, you know, the, the kind of the timeline of these people's lives. And right. yeah, the having the actors voice the interviews is an interesting approach. He has George Clooney exclusively doing Paul Newman for all right. this, which is entirely fitting. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, but having all these other actors that, that you see as you go on through this thing. It's just a, a really, I think, compelling documentary yeah. that just digs into, you know, the complexities of, of these two actors' lives as well as everything going on at that mm-hmm. time. So, yeah, no, I, I would heartily recommend it. It's it's very, it's very strong. Yeah. And you and, I, you and I enjoyed documentaries. The last thing I'll say about this in terms of the documentary aspect is that I like that it wasn't just here's the start of Hollywood in the 1920s or whatever. And then it just keeps rolling along. Then, and then a young Paul Newman is born in, you know, wherever he's born in New York or whatever. And then always oh, he goes to his first play at age 12 and he's hooked. It's like, no, it actually is like, the reason why I thought that it was pretty uh, self standing, self-sufficient as a chapter one kind of end all. Um, it's because it kind of is a slice of life type of documentary. Like you just plopped into Hollywood you know, James Dean is there and all this other stuff. And then he's already married to Joanne Woodward at this point. But then they later they will talk about his first wife and his kids. But I thought that it was, um, you know, it's it's not as you guys would characterize it in the business, like a Wikipedia article come to life. On the topic of multi-part documentaries real quick before you keep mm-hmm. going, I just wanted to bring this one up. There's the um, uh, the documentary Light and Magic that's on Disney Plus that I've also seen oh. a couple episodes from. And this is a, a whole behind the series Behind the scenes documentary concerning the creation of of ILM, the, you know, oh, special, cool. the visual effects studio that's created yeah. by George Lucas, and it's also like I'm watching these in tandem because they're both six part documentaries that are yeah. just fascinating to me. But it's this is also fantastic because you have Lucas and Spielberg and you know all these you know these big main directors, and then you have all these visual effects guys that you know plenty of like film buffs know you know like uh, uh, De- uh, Dykstra and. And uh, Phil Tippett's and uh, Joe, Joe, Joe Johnston. Like, you have all these people mm-hmm. here, and it's directed by Lawrence Kasdan. So it's like, wow, you have all these people that, and like Ron Howard shows, like all these people show up. And it's, so it's it's a pretty great rundown of where ILM came from, which obviously goes in tandem with, you know, the creation of Star Wars and, you know, plenty of other movies. So it's, and you get a lot of behind the scenes footage, a lot of new interviews. So it's, as far as like, you know, seeing things about how movies got made, like this is a pretty great documentary. Also, that's that's yeah. come up on Disney Plus. So. Nice. Oh, I didn't know that this was out, but Lawrence Kasdan kind of directed something. I'm interested. Yeah, it's a uh, two two movie docs well worth watching. I'd say. <laughs> right now. Got it. Okay. What else you got? The other thing that I kind of want to bring up was uh, is is the bear uh, on Hulu. This is something that I finished watching. The bear is a um, it's a new show. It's about uh, a a brother who kind of goes off to culinary school and then he has to come back to his hometown in Chicago because his brother who runs a restaurant that a family restaurant passes away, um, and he just goes struggle busing because he's kind kind of kind of caught in between a lot of different worlds. What I really like about this show overall is that it is very intense. 
um, and that it also doesn't really shy away from not making characters that you like right away. And I think that's very important for shows that want to have some staying power. Because like when everybody's too friendly, when everybody's too nice, you're just like, well, okay, I, I guess this is like a f- nice, friendly show. This one actually, you kind of maybe can feel a little bit ambivalent about uh, about our guy. Um, uh, man, I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now, but um, um kind of yeah, go uh, Carmi, yeah, Car- yeah, yeah. You Carmine. can kind of feel ambivalent about Carmen, or and it's really a fascinating approach to the world of uh, culinary arts. You know, we've we've certainly seen things like. Parts unknown with Anthony Bourdain, uh, and we've seen things like uh, the F word and and whatever else Hell's Kitchen from um, uh, Gordon Ramsay. But then there's softer things too, like you know, there's a lot of shows on Netflix like First Table or um, all the other things that have chefs that aren't as crazy and arrogant. But I dig that this one has a lot of characters in it that you kind of piece back every episode you know it kind of focuses on a different character somewhat every episode because it, it builds that way i i also want to shout out joe McHale for just showing up for like 10 minutes in one scene in in one episode and just being like the best joe McHale performance i've, I've seen <laughs> in like maybe ever and i was like this is so he's reserved but he's scary and it's great and so i would recommend the show again the first episode is very intense the second to last episode the penultimate episode even more intense, and there's some funny lighthearted things throughout. But also, I, 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 because you and I aren't Chicagoans, it's kind of interesting. I would be, I'd be curious to hear how uh, somebody from the Midwest or somebody from Chicago feels about the the food scene there, and kind of just like the the little details that they have, like people standing outside or where the neighborhood is, and and whatever else. But great performances, like I would recommend it. Even if you just got Hulu for one month, you could probably knock it out pretty quickly for seven bucks. Yeah, I um, I was I was a big fan. I, I mm-hmm. once I started this, I kind of really stop it. I mean, it's, it, I, the question I have for you is: do you, Would you call this a comedy? I think dark comedy at parts. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's like a straight up comedy because there's there's a scene where they they go to El, uh, Oliver Platt's house, and he's making homemade ecto cooler, and then something happens to the kids, and I was like, that's funny on a dark level. It killed but, me. That that made me yeah. laugh hysterically. <laughs> like, but I also just like how like it's not like just a throwaway. They continue with it for the rest of the, the episode. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty funny. But yeah, I would say that it's like kind of a dark comedy. I'd say it's like a dramedy, right? I think it's more so in the vein of a drama first, and then there's humorous elements throughout because uh either like, you know, his cousin getting stabbed in the butt or whatever the case is, that that's humorous, but that's not what they're going for. I think they're going for this guy who's trying to deal with grief and belonging and understanding like a town that he kind of resents maybe to some degree but also like his own demons as a new york chef that could or could not have hacked it right um and how he also fares as a mentor to a young woman who ate at his restaurant was blown away and really wanted to work with him even though he works at this crappy sandwich shop so yeah there's a lot going on there i'm glad i'm glad you uh glad you finished it yeah a couple more to mention real yeah, quick please uh they're both kind of in the gen z zone um <laughs> first is not okay uh uh-huh. this is a movie that's on hulu now um it concerns a a want like a wannabe social influencer uh who decides to fake a trip to paris 
little does she know that a tragic event actually happens in Paris. And so she decides to pretend that she was there uh, to give her more clout. Um, oh, no. This brings her to interacting with another person who's all who's dealt with a school shooting, who's become like an activist character, and they mm-hmm. form a friendship. And, you know, given the premise I've set up here, it's the kind of movie where there's an inevitability as far as, you know, you watch this one person, Danny, played by Zoe Dutch, climb up the ranks as far as being a big influencer and whatnot and like forming a hashtag about, uh, you know, the triggering events and what have you. There has to be some kind of fall that occurs eventually. And the movie, like it overall, it's like it's good, but it could be better. But it's 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 at least interesting because it's trying to like tackle a very real thing but you through the lens of a dark comedy i i wish it was better at threading that line at the same time the character playing the person who actually went through the school shooting it's a very good performance mm-hmm. and you almost wish like there could be a drama just surrounding this character is that a secret about who that is in no terms uh, no it's actor? The, the actor is uh mia isaac she was in that okay. john cho movie i talked about a couple weeks ago. no yeah the one yeah. where you also were like this ending's weird yeah exactly yeah uh so it's like she's good in this i don't know if anybody would want to see that movie as far as a, you know a drama about a school I, shooting yeah but, but I, like, i've never even seen elephant yeah well it's, it's a rough one yeah uh, so but like the butting these two people together it's like i get what you want to do i wish the like the comedic elements of here was sharper mm-hmm. um to make it work but it's still like a good movie it's not great okay. but it still like does its job so, yeah and it's on hulu so it's not like it's <laughs> getting out of the way kind of it's experience. interesting that zoe deutsch has done a lot of movies for hulu it seems like she's got a contract she did like buffaloed and some other one that's like kind of direct to hulu and so it's cool that she's got a network that she's working with she does a lot of indies that some of them end up going to hulu for sure that's but, a, um, good, yeah that's yeah. it too so yeah okay the, the other movies being of streaming yeah. is called honor society this is on paramount plus mm-hmm. it stars uh, andrew rice who was um which she was the daughter in the nice guys, which she's in other things since then. At this oh, point. okay, yeah, she's been in the Spider Man series. Yeah, yeah, she's Betty Brant. Yeah. Uh, um, then uh, and it has uh, what's his name, Gaten Matazaro from Stranger Things, Dustin Stranger from Stranger Things. Things. Yeah. Uh, so she is her name is Honor, um, and she's one of the top four students in her school, uh, and she wants to go to Harvard, and in order to get the recommendation she needs from uh, McLovin himself, Christopher Mintz Plaza as the guidance counselor who can provide a letter of recommendation. She basically wants to sabotage the other three so she can be the top contender. Okay. Um, a lot a, of shades of some other movies that we've seen. For sure. And that's a good setup. Yeah. And the movie itself is good. At times it's pretty good. But again, the issue comes from it's just, I just wish these things could be sharper. <laughs> I wish these things just had yeah. like more on their mind as far as how to explore it. And part of the issue is that Rice's character, Honor, like, she's nice. <laughs> like, she's not a mean person. And that's okay. part of the point of the film. But at the same time, it's like, well, because she has this elaborate, like, plan that could have darker implications, you don't really get to see it take advantage of those. And so the mm. movie ends up feeling like it's defanged from going further with this idea in the midst of being a film that's, you know, exploring like Gen Z high school culture and what have you. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's why the movie works overall. Cause there's like good stuff peppered in there as far as, you know, it's not approaching the likes of like a book smart or even a clueless or what have you. Yeah. Uh, as far as like high school comedies go, but it's still doing the job to be, you know, worthwhile. And again, it's, you know, streaming on Paramount plus. So it's not like the most difficult thing to, to pick up. Right. Um, 
So um, she's she's a nice person and she wants to do this thing that isn't so nice, but she continues to be a nice person throughout. Like there's no like what I was thinking about is election. Where it's like, well, Reese Witherspoon really wants to be, you know, class president, but she's nice, but also she she's like a dog, you know. What I mean? Yeah, and that's the thing. Election, I consider one of the best comedies of the '90s. So it's like, <laughs> so it yes, this is a movie that doesn't have that kind of bite. Got it um, to to make it stronger. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's my end. Yeah, okay. That's great. Anything else for me? You good? Uh, yeah, I'm good. Um, Have you just, watched you know, the rehearsal with Nathan Fielder? No, but I've been hearing some crazy things about it, including reading a tweet from Questlove that's like, has anyone else seen the second episode of rehearsal? I, because I don't I, know who this guy is. And then people are like, no, he's done like Nathan for you and all this other stuff too. It's like, I had no idea. So I was like, oh, Questlove's I, I, into it. I don't want to talk. I'd rather you watch it and then we can talk about it at some point. <laughs> okay. I've heard. Yeah, but, I've heard. I've heard but it is worth. Uh, it's very worthwhile. Things. I'll say that. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. Well, that's out of things. Good, Mark. Let's move on now. Let's get to some trailer talk. Okay. Uh, we got a couple new trailers that we want to get into here. Um, different tones, but I think they fit the, the films we're talking about this week. The first <laughs> is called See How They Run. Mm-hmm. This is a mystery comedy. Um, starring Sam Rockwell, Saoirse Ronan, Adrian Brody, Ruth Wilson, Harris Dickinson, David Aloe, uh, among others. Um, it, it's set in the 50s, and it's about a um, like a theater group where one of the crew members is murdered. And it's up to Sam Rockwell as the inspector and Saoirse Ronan as a constable to figure out what's happened here. Mm-hmm. I, I find this one very intriguing because I, I want so I wanted to bring it up to you as far as yeah. where did this movie come from? <laughs> like, like it's, yeah. It's directed by Tom George, who's only done like British television, uh-huh. um, and written written by Mark Chappell, who's only like written British television. And it's like, what? This is just a random like Searchlight Pictures release that has an all star cast in it, and, and it looks fun. But what do you think? Yeah. What do you think of what you're seeing here? So you're telling me I should go watch this in like uh, New England or something like that with with uh, some Brits. Um, I, I I adore pictures like this. You know, I, I just called that a picture. Like I'm an old person. Uh, but I, I really enjoy movies that have a sense of humor of themselves that kind of know what they're going for, which might lead to even more than what you bargained for in terms of a, a viewer, right? And you're like, well, this is a slapstick comedy. It's about <laughs> they they show you the Adrian what happens to Adrian Brody, and it seems fairly uh, grotesque. But uh, you know, I like the color palette that they that they went for. It's got like some some uh, bright brights, but kind of a little bit subtle too. I enjoy everybody that's in this cast, like, as small as they are in terms of smaller parts, but also um, people like uh, Harris Dickinson, who was in Where the Cry Dead Sing, and also in um, uh, Kingsman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the, it's the Kingsman. The Kingsman. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, um, the Kingsman. Uh, th- is there a space or no space? The Kingsman. The Kingsman. Yeah, so there's a space. Um, but it's it's great to see these folks out here wearing. Wigs, mustaches, having cool costumes and fun throwback things. Because, again, as we've discussed many times before on the show, actors always love just dressing up and being goofy. And this feels like one of those movies. In terms of what you're saying with um, sort of like movies like this, there's the movie here that we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago with um, the new David O. Russell movie. Um, it's sort of in the vein of like these 
We haven't actually talked about that trailer yet. <laughs> oh, we haven't? No, right, we haven't. I guess I'll hold thoughts on it. It just came, it. Right, came around. We never actually got to it. Okay, I'll hold thoughts on it. But in in, a sense, in essence, uh, I'm saying that there's... Um, I like when movies kind of have this throwback, but it feels like there's been a, a throwback mystery of sorts lately. But yeah, I, I really did this trailer just from the standpoint of everybody involved and how it looks and kind of like the fun, but but weird vibes that i'm getting and i hope that uh, the murder mystery is is fun and not just like a clunker yeah i agree i you know i i don't like to be pessimistic so i just assume hey big cast i like a lot of these people looks fun i hope it's yeah. fun like i regardless of like you know i i noted that uh you know knives out came along and not necessarily kickstarted like murder mystery comedy because it's not like a, a you know a bunch of them been arriving since then but at the same mm-hmm. time it's like i certainly welcome more of this yeah and if you have something like this uh compared and you know it's not like i dislike the brana uh perot films but to say that right. like well this looks like a fun like hey we taking inspiration from you know old style mysteries and turning yeah. it into a comedic caper kind of thing it's like yeah i'm into that and yeah this, thing if this is in the vein of tim curry's clue give me that yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Including yeah. three different endings. That that is a. Th- I mean, it's silly, <laughs> but that is a thing where it's like that'd be fun to see again. It's yeah. <laughs> you're just like, well, which one was it? You can choose. <laughs> well, see how they run opens the theaters September sixteenth, uh, just about a little over a month from now. Wow. Okay. The other trailer, of course, we have is Oppenheimer. This is the new Christopher Nolan film arriving next year. Mm-hmm. It released its IMAX exclusive trailer with Nope last week. Yeah. And now it's since been made available to be played online. Last I checked, it was streaming continuously on Universal's YouTube page with an up with a live timer. So like every time it repeats, it's got to, you know, it updates the timer that's counting down. Very ominous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is, of course, a Christopher Nolan film. It stars Killian Murphy as uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer. It has a cast that's so long that it would take me several minutes to go through it all. So I'll just name the names that are on the poster, which includes mm-hmm. Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh. Um, and and I could do. There's just a lot yeah, more. Yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot of them. It feels as though every time that you log back onto Twitter, somebody new has been announced in the cast of Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. So it's it's quite the cast. I was I, gonna ask you mm-hmm. where you saw this trailer too, and um, because I saw it in front of my viewing of Nope, which you saw it in IMAX, but I saw it in Dolby. So I guess that it's premium format is what you. Saw I guess it. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've seen the trailer now. I've seen it a lot of times because it just plays on repeat. It's only a minute long, right. but it's uh, but uh, the the curious thing here, this is a universal picture, as I mentioned, it's on their YouTube page. But uh, mm-hmm. this is the first non Warner Brothers picture he's made since Memento. Uh, this comes after Nolan essentially left Warner Brothers because he wasn't happy with how Warner Brothers was dealing with their 2021 lineup. Uh, not just including you know his release of Tenet, but also just the way he felt they were treating the rest of the films from that year. Um, as we recall, HBO fame, Warner Brothers famously released all of their films concurrently in theaters and on HBO Max. Yes, um, and during so, the pandemic. Yes, yeah. and so he's since slipped with them, and he's now with Universal, who yeah. has presumably given him whatever he wants <laughs> to to make a J. Robert Oppenheimer biopic. Yeah, um, I actually know quite a bit about Oppenheimer. I've studied mm-hmm. him in some college courses. I've read the book that this movie's based on, um, American Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am very intrigued by the idea of Nolan making what I assume is a lengthy and very Nolan esque blockbuster out of a biopic. Um, I, I want to see what that, is, especially for you know a story like this where 
I don't know what the arc is necessarily going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, the trailer certainly sets up a foreboding sense of, you know, <laughs> disaster as far as the nature of what Oppenheimer did. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, I'm curious, where, where where do you where do you sit with with with, with Oppenheimer himself, yeah. the man? With the man, yes, morally. <laughs> morally, <laughs> well, you know, he was a he was a pretty. Tell tell me this in under ten seconds. How <laughs> do you feel about the moral implications of Oppenheimer? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what I like about this trailer is that um, uh, you already know what happens. Uh, you know the aftermath and the effects of it. But I like that he's dealing with um, the human side of things, right? Uh, what seems like the human side of things of just how Robert J. Oppenheimer kind of wanted or thought that this was going to go versus how it did go and how he felt afterward. Um, and that's been well documented. Uh, if you've read things or if you are familiar with the person himself, what I'm more curious about is just um, Nolan's take on this, to be honest. Um, not not how Nolan uh, will sculpt it and frame it from his point of view, but just more of his movie making abilities. Like, I'm curious to see, you know, I, I recently rewatched parts of Interstellar with a buddy of mine uh, over at his house. Uh, he's got a baby now, so we were like babysitting. Uh, while we were watching Interstellar, and you're fast forwarding to the good parts, or what? Yeah, we were we were forwarding we were forwarding to you know them in space and Matt Damon kind of betraying them. Spoiler alert! But um, what I like about uh Interstellar is that Nolan is obviously an inquisitive fellow, but he's also he lets things breathe a lot. You know, things are not played for a quick edit or a quick cut or just um a throwaway line reading. It's kind of really just lingers on an idea and a topic for a a little bit of time, and it might return to it. But I'm curious to see that aspect of Nolan with this Oppenheimer thing, because, again, the trailer is pretty cool. It's got the countdown clock. And I wondered how they were going to the countdown clock for, like, the rest of the movie summer um, or into, like, next year or two. It's like, is the clock going to change or is it just the same timer? Um, Probably the same timer. But... um, the other thing that I'm fascinated about and interested in is I I think that the like we saw we last saw him doing Tenant, which is kind of like this loud super cop movie that that I thoroughly enjoyed and I think that you enjoyed uh, as I well. I think it's fantastic. It's yeah. better every time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I I'd be curious to see how he go he comes after this one a little bit rejuvenated after kind of like getting his action beats out, you know, like. Nolan is not a guy who is not aware that he likes to have fun on film too, like behind the camera on, on the screen kind of thing. So with that sort of out of the way here and kind of taking a more serious approach to Oppenheimer, I'm curious to see just, uh, just what he's got up his sleeve. And and I would not be surprised if it's like one of the best movies in the last decade, like no expectations kind of thing, but also just this cast is tremendous you know, they shot at Berkeley for some of the scenes, so... Um, yeah, that's already gone. I know. <laughs> I guess you're never going to see it then. But, yeah, what about you? How are you feeling about uh, Oppenheimer? Uh, I mean, my curiosity in the man himself and that story being told on a, you know, a big screen format by Nolan, no less, is inherently exciting. Um, right. He seems to be playing with color uh, for this film, which I am curious, especially with IMAX cameras. I'm mm-hmm. very curious what that's going to be. I don't have much reason to doubt Nolan <laughs> because he's sure he consistently makes movies that I really like. Uh so 
cool. <laughs> Do you think that because this is shot at Universal that they're going to have part of this as the tram tour now? They're like, this is where Universal was. And look, if you look closely, shield your eyes, there's going to be an atomic bomb blast. They're probably not going to do that. I mean, we'll see. Base Motel, <laughs> base motel is too important. <laughs> I, I will be curious if we get invited to be in the cast. Like, that'll be... Because we're, we're, the movie keeps growing. Yeah, like I'm waiting for our call. <laughs> that's, I that's like it, saying. yeah. Um, but no, I mean, there's not much I need to add here. It's a movie that I'm, I, I you know, I, I want to see by default. Um, and it has a lot of other elements as far as like the subject matter and everything where I'm like, yes, please. Can you, mm-hmm. I can't wait. I, I, I'm curious. I am curious what, you know, he, it's a hundred million dollar movie coming out in the summer. So I'm curious, like what it is that he's going to do that makes it stand out. Yeah. Um, Cause I don't expect him to give like a normal biopic. Uh, you know the kind of thing that we, you know, dread uh, to some degree. <laughs> so uh-huh. it's like, so like, yeah, give me that. I, I want. Nolan see has never made an all eyes on me type of movie, so yeah, we're in we're in safe hands. I hope. Well, Oppenheimer opens next year, July twenty first, twenty twenty three. Can't wait for the middle of the year. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's move on now. Let's get to our uh, our main reviews. First up, The Gray Man. You hurt? I mean, my ego's a little bruised. They have something they really want. What's your gut? It's gonna be my funeral you're going to next. You wanna make an omelet? You gotta kill some people. You must be Lloyd. What gave it away? The trash stash. It just, it leans Lloyd. That should have been some of the trailer for The Gray Man. I'm going to read the plot description okay. here uh, very dramatically. Uh, <laughs> Six, a highly skilled assassin in deep cover in the deep cover Sierra program of the CIA is the agency's best merchant of death. However, a mission goes bad and now Six is on the run from the CIA with sociopathic former agent Lloyd Hansen hot on his trail. Aided by agent Danny Miranda and handler Donald Fitzroy, Six must be his most ruthless to avoid Hanson, but who who will stop at nothing to bring Six down? So um, you should be the next Hollywood movie guy. Yeah, you know. So we so we In have a world. <laughs> so we have this movie, The Gray Man, it's yeah. directed by the Russos. It's uh, reported to have cost two hundred million dollars. Yikes! <clears throat> it features Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Ana de Armas, uh, Jessica Henwick, Regine Page. And Danush, and uh, of course, Alfred Woodard. And, <laughs> oh, I was like, Billy who's Bob, that? And I was like, oh, Billy I know Bob who Thornton. you're talking about. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so it's a big deal for Netflix. It's one of their another one of their potential, uh, you know, universe movies that they want to make. They've made a couple of these so far, as far as movies that it cost a lot because they hope they can make a franchise out of them. This is the latest yeah. attempt. Um, so with all of that in mind, Abe, what did you think of The Gray Man? I want to go on a soapbox right now. So I'm going to go on a soapbox. This is not a good movie. This is an entertaining movie, sure. But this is a movie where if you've never seen any of the 1990s, like Hong Kong, Kung Fu, any of the Bourne series, any of like international films about or any international action films, you would probably think that this movie is incredible for what it's setting up and for what it's doing. And I'm here to burst your bubble and say it is not. It is 
quite a vapid movie that can be entertaining and is funny at points, but it also misses a lot of its own marks. And what I mean by that is that it sets out to to give you the tale of uh, Sierra Six, who is like this prison guy who decides to or who who gets uh, his his sentence communicated by joining a, a very like a secret ops program run by Billy Bob Thornton. And later they just keep moving from city to city to city. There's no stopping at all. And there's not a whole lot of other plot points aside from the fact that he's meeting up with other people that have presumably worked with him or uh, done things with him or his former boss. And they're all just like really out against like the new regime, which is played by Regé Jean John, uh, Page. Um, and I just could not get behind it because they have a weird sense of self in this movie, meaning like they, the Russo brothers have a weird sense of self in this movie. Like I feel as though out of everything that's going on with this movie, the thing that really is the, the, the weakest link are the Russos and maybe the writers of this movie too, because the writers have worked with the Russos on a lot of the projects. Like if you had made Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Anna de Armas, Billy Bob Thornton, uh, Danush, Alfred Woodward, Julia Butters, Shea Wiggum. And uh, this is a tremendous cast with tremendous potential, great looking people on the screen. And you can make an incredible fun movie or an incredible spy romance thriller comedy. But instead, you decided to try to be all things at once. And it became this big, like, amalgam of just mush. And it just. I, I didn't like a whole lot of it, and I'm going to get into more details after you go, but on the whole, I feel as though like this is a throwback to some degree. And hey, man, if you enjoyed it, great for you, but I am not going to sit here and let the Russos tell me you should have just had a good time, bro, because you made a shit movie with an amazing like potential cast list and $200 million. And you should be like really ashamed of yourself. So again, like I'm not personally offended by this, but I'm just like, don't like, I, I love that they've been going on press tours and just being like, you know, we just want to make like a, a fun movie. So you can just like sit back and relax. Like if you want to make a fun movie and sit back and relax, you know, this is not it because uh, of a lot of technical things that didn't look right. And a lot of action things that didn't look right. And again, a storyline that is just all over the place. So um how did you feel, Aaron, about uh, The Great Man? You know, you said the right thing right at the top there. It's entertaining without being good. Because, mm -hmm. like, I would give this a recommendation overall just because I had a fun time with this. Mm -hmm. Do I think it's a quality film? Not really. It's not doing anything all that innovative. It's just in the realm of these Netflix mockbusters, as Scott Mendelson calls them, mm -hmm. it... It it does the job better than some of the others that I've seen, and it's not as good as some of the others I've seen. Mm -hmm. Like this is far better than Red Notice, which is a dumpster fire, but it's not as good as something like The Old Guard, for example, which I think is really good. Um, when it comes to these action movies specifically, I'm very confused by the Russos at this point mm -hmm. <laughs> because like they clearly have talent. They've showed it both in their in their um their sitcom days when it comes to things like Community. Yeah, um, or even like uh, uh, what's the one with, that we love for the Chicago Boys with Adam Pally in it? Um, happy endings. Happy endings. Yeah, yeah. They they um, they have talent there. 
they've showed it in their comedies and their sitcom days and they showed it in their films. I mean, they've made very, very good Marvel movies that, that, that work well. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, for the, this feels like pr- uh, proof that Marvel is doing things well when you look at their machine versus the Netflix machine, where it's like mm-hmm. you, you, you may want to try to find ways to take down Marvel in your head as far as what their output is like, but at the same time, it's like, it could be worse. <laughs> like You right. can look at something like this, which has no personality, no discernible style, and just a, a lot of stuff thrown at you uh, that largely works because, well, at least the cast is likable, and while I don't think the budget is entirely on screen, there are some nifty action sequences uh laced within it among many others that mm-hmm. aren't so good um but in saying all this i do want to like give praise to the stuff that works because overall i did like this movie mm-hmm. to the degree that it's it can be liked i i think ryan gosling is pretty good here because he's ryan gosling and i consider him one of the you know better actors of his generation uh chris evans I, He's not exactly playing like Lucas Lee from Scott Pilgrim, but he's certainly like trying <laughs> to do this villain thing. And uh-huh. he's got some quips that are fine. Um, and it's just nice to see Billy Bob Thornton again, because I just haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, with with, <laughs> so a, like, with a curly mustache. With a curly mustache and a terrible um, a toupee in the first scene. Yeah. And like Julia Butters from Once by the Time at Hollywood steps in and is like, okay, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, there's stuff here where you can tell that this script, which is written by Russo, as well as Marcus and McFeely, who've written most of the... Um, the big MCU movies like there's clearly like a desire to make a fun throwaway action effort it's just I've seen that done better and at less of a cost (laughs) so it's I like I'm starting I just like hate knowing these numbers when it comes to these Netflix movies at this point because like I get why like 200 billion it's because there's so many people in this cast and you can't do back-end points on Netflix because it's streaming so it's not like you make up based off whatever the box office is. So it's like they'll right. get paid. They'll get paid up front. But yeah. even then, even if it's still like a hundred million dollar movie, it doesn't look particularly great. Like yes. it doesn't and it gives me more admiration for something like Ambulance, which cost a third of this movie. I was gonna say like at, it costs at, like at most. Yeah. At most. It's it's less than ninety. It's it's not wow. that much. And yeah. again, that and the part again, that part of that's going just to actors in general. So it's like, you know, the actual production of this of that thing. But what I but the point there is Michael Bay for whatever you like or don't like about him, like his style is so evident and there's so much clear effort you can see being put in the film. There are drone camera shots in that movie and drone camera shots in this movie. And you can tell which director is using them to better effect. Uh, and so it's like, I know the Russos can do better things, but like the, what we get from this is just this weird throwaway action flick that costs way too much. It's like, yeah. why, why spend that much if it's, for the purposes of getting someone to enjoy themselves while they fold laundry. Like what is the, like what's the game yeah. in a movie like that? And I, and I find it a shame. I find it a shame that it's not better given all of the elements that it has working right. for it. Um, so it's, it's hard to be like, ah, don't worry about it. It's just a thing where it's like, they spent a whole lot of money on this thing that yeah. you're not supposed to worry about. And it also, it just a side thing. Doesn't help that the Russos are giving a lot of like really stupid interviews in the last few weeks. They like, really, really have been. That's really yeah. like not helped at all. At all. I read this. a quote that they they asked him like why why did uh, Civil War look so great? He's like, well, it's because it's supposed to represent like his crumbling feeling of like uh, of of being closed off or whatever. I was like, 
I don't know. You guys don't have to say anything at all. Or they've been talking about this movie as well and whatever. It's like I, I agree with you on the on the interviews of as of late. Um, before you jump on to like other things, I wanted to just also uh, touch upon some aspects of the Russo's direction style. It feels as though they've been lifting a lot of things from other directors. I also noted Michael Bay in my notes here about just how they use the drone shots. I noted that in 13 hours and an ambulance are used in a way that 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 moves a movie forward. Um, and in here, they're just like, I don't need to see a drone shot of Anna de Armas turning the car around. Like, you know, you're establishing a bunch of shots with these drone shot footage for no other reason. Just be like, this is a cool shot, isn't it? It's like, is it though? Like you've done this multiple times and, and you know, ambulances is not immune to having excessive drone shots because you're just moving up and down buildings at some point. And it's but, Bay. He finds a thing he likes and he does it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but he did something cool with it, which is I'm going to do a drone shot in ambulance where people will be shooting and I'll go under cars and through whatever else like, and cars will jump over, uh, we'll go over ramps and then I'll just be, I'll get angles that you normally cannot put a human person under and get these cool angles here. They're kind of just using it as just like, isn't this this cool gimmick? The other thing I want to mention that you sort of talked about is um, another one that I had with, and again, we'll, uh, we'll go into some of the stuff later is just, they actually, lifted like almost an exact sequence an action sequence from winter soldier into this movie and i was like the reason why it works in winter soldier and not in this movie is because i know who the people are in winter soldier and granted they've had like a decade or like seven years at that point for us to get to know nick fury and bucky sam wilson etc whatever but here you're just like being put into like this Prague shootout and you're like what is this mess like a lot of this stuff just is excessive and over the top and I'm not even mad about what I'm seeing in terms of like the action blow up and whatever else I'm kind of just more of if you guys don't have anything interesting to do other than like say that you'll tell Netflix you're gonna make a movie can you try not to like this is like me putting on my CFO hat I'm just like if you don't need to spend 200 million dollars going to like these exotic locations which I tell you on the screen which you don't get any sense of where you are at all. Couldn't you guys just shoot this in Atlanta and, you know, I'll just give you like $85 million instead of 200. So some, some, some gripes there. Join again to uh, uh, the Russos uh, as a uh, featured film directors. Cause I'm curious to be like what you're, the only question I have here is like, we've seen cherry, which we reviewed last year. We've seen now the gray man. Are the Russos just, are they still going to be MCU directors or well, do you feel that they're just going to branch out? I mean, they've moved on from the MCU. So it's like, it's, they can always get a call back. Who knows? But I, um, yeah, I mean, if they're moving on and this is what they're doing, I don't know, man. I mean, regardless of whatever their future plans are, as far as just, just them as directors, like, again, I just, I'm confused by them. Like they made cherry, which was like their small indie movie whatever you want to call it i'm sure it cost a pretty penny but like the thing with that movie is it's it's wildly over directed as far as the amount of stuff they were doing from a like a a, a cinematography standpoint like that movie had all yeah. kinds of different things going on it wanted to be this like it felt like it wanted to be like a, a crazy stress like, yeah yeah, yeah. dealing with P- about... ptsd and like really visualizing that doing things like oliver stone style to a degree or yeah, what have you. And yeah it, exactly it, 
and it you know it, it sucks cherry's a bad movie <laughs> but yeah. like this movie by comparison feels like a more dialed down version because they're not doing beyond like the very vfx heavy action sequences they're not doing a whole lot from a stylistic standpoint yeah it's certainly nothing that like evokes these guys and what they've done in the past it feels very much like it's an ode to 90s action cinema which is like that's all well and good they've been doing that with their other movies that they produce like extraction and 21 bridges so many bridges mm-hmm. uh so it's like i i get i get where they're like coming from as far as what they're trying to appeal to it just it doesn't help when these pieces don't amount to much so as directors yeah. i just i don't I don't get what they want. Like I, cause I, yeah. I know they can do more and, but they're, they're seemingly, they're operating at a level where they, they, they're getting what they want, seem to want to get out of this, but it just, it feels so flat. And it's like, I, I want, I want them to make good things cause they can, they can't, they can do good action if they put their heart into it as it stands. It's just like, I feel like I just, I feel like I shouldn't be so meh on a movie like this, given sure. everything involved in it. And that's what I keep rubbing up against me. about. And I think that's really what you're seeing on the screen, too, is like this amount or a lot of their ideas just on the screen here. And yes, it is funny at times. I chuckled. There's funny lines. But again, they don't really amount to a whole lot either. Um, you know, Chris Evans is kind of playing a cartoonish villain to some degree. Uh, Ryan Gosling has like, he's like the killer of the heart of gold kind of thing. Um, and Anna Darmus, like, I don't even know what. But you mentioned something about... Um, uh, sort of like Ryan Gosling uh, looking good on film and we've seen him kind of being stoic. You know, in terms of like lifting things too, like that entire sequence opening in Thailand, I was like, these guys have clearly seen Nicholas winning reference, <laughs> Only God Forgives. And they're just like, let's use like cool neon lights and colors and Ryan Gosling in like this scenario. But it just isn't as interesting uh, as Only God Forgives. And that's not a, a, a tremendous movie. But it's also a movie that has Ryan Gosling doing some interesting acting, and it's got a, a great uh, a cameo. Not even cameo. I guess she's supporting in that in that role. Um, with uh, what's her face uh, as his mom. But yeah, I I just really, if they wanted to do an homage to the '90s, just do an homage to the '90s that is like, I guess one or the other like well, I mean, one I being hard spy thriller or two being comedy spy hijinks buddy cop movie i i think they're accomplishing this it's just as far as what they're trying like i don't feel like i don't think it's missing the things that it needs to do that it's just at the end of the day not very good <laughs> you know it's like mm-hmm. it's one of those 90s movies that isn't good you know for all the speeds or diehards with a vengeance there's also like chain reaction like i mean sure. you know not all these are good movies <laughs> and it's just like yeah they right. made one of these it just didn't do a very good job with it that's that's yeah. i think where i'm coming from this i hear you yeah but and again we're both on the same page that it's entertaining but it is, let's just... talk about that a bit before we just keep mouthing off at the no, no, I'm, yeah of course please because <laughs> I, I do think there's stuff that's worthwhile here you mentioned that opening act sequence i do like that one just because it's it does feel different as far as there's a fight inside of a fireworks uh, like display and it's like yeah, i haven't seen yeah. that before like that that's the one place where that's one of the few places where i'm like oh there's money spent on this mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's it felt like that um seeing ryan gosling just be this guy this you know super assassin guy it's like yeah, there's there's fun to be had there i like he's i there's like a i wouldn't say it's necessarily like 
self-aware but it's certainly like him doing the kind of stoic thing that he's done in drive and other movies where he's doing sure. that here but bringing a sense of humor to it that i appreciated um and on the other side i'm curious what you think of him but chris evans is you know quit master you know dresses well and yeah tacky mustache and whatnot did you like chris <laughs> evans in this movie I do. And again, I think that part of the distraction, which is not a negative in this case, part of the distraction of why it's also entertaining is because all these people are very good looking and we know who they are uh, as actors and we like them. You know what I mean? Like I like Chris Evans as an actor. Um, I've liked him ever since he played Jake uh, in um, not another teen movie, but yeah, he's, he's chewing up the scenery. He's got some good funny lines. He's kind of an asshole and a dick. Um, but you know, there's, there's hardly a consequence to anything that anybody does in this movie too. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, if this movie was just like, cause it's weird. I don't even think it's like too complicated. It's pretty it's, straightforward. It's not. They're actually trying to make it more complicated than it is. Yeah. Cause not. it, as a spy versus spy thing, it's like, I like that idea. And you have these two guys. Cool. Right. Throw in some other characters. Okay. I guess. Yeah. Some of them feel a little more extraneous than others. Like Jessica Henwick who's like proven to have action chops in the matrix movie. And as well as like iron fist, well, it's that's like, where she's from. Yeah. Okay. It's like, I was like, why does she look familiar? They just stick her in the control room. The entire movie. It's like, that's weird. Yeah. With a um, uh, weird hairdo. Yeah. Uh, but then you bring another, be like, like the Indian star Danush. Yeah. Uh, the few minutes he's on screen is like, where's this guy's movie? Like, I, I, yeah. I mean, like, so it's like the, it again, they're just like pulling all this stuff that like, I think could work in a better movie. But on the whole, it's like, well, I'm not not entertained by this. And that's purely the strength of like some screen charisma, Billy Bob Thornton quips and, you know, whatever, whatever like random right. stuff they throw in here to a, to approximate what works as a movie. Yeah. And again, like, I, I think that the script itself has some self, uh, some self-evident humor. Like everyone is sort of self-aware of what they're saying because there's, and there, there's a huge inside joke that all these people went to Harvard together that comes up multiple times. Um, and that is something that they're just like, well, you know, it'd be fun, like in a kiss, kiss, bang, bang, Shane Black kind of way. Uh, it'd be fun if like, you know, they're smart people too and whatever the case is. But it's not a Shane Black movie. And because of that, it suffers from why did you even write this then? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, even like a character like Julia Butters, We've seen a lot of kid actors in these action movies. And again, I'll go, I'll go back to Shane Black movies. He writes these characters where you're just like, I like that kid. And I don't like, Ju- I don't dislike Julia Butters here, but she has nothing to do but look worried for the entire movie. And then at oh, she, one point, I mean, she gets a good like, intro, like the introduction of her with Gosling. Like they build that the best yeah. they can. But yeah. And, and she's yeah. got like a line that I knew that she was going to say toward the end of this movie. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I watched Iron Man 3, and while some people might ha- might not have liked it as much as you did, and I, I still like it a little bit less than you did. I'm not a like, huge fan of Iron Man 3. <laughs> oh, you're not? Okay, my bad. Um, but, like, uh, that kid in Iron Man 3 is like, he's a little shit, man, you know? Um, and, you know, I don't know. You just didn't really get a lot. But in terms of... Yeah, comparatively, actors, like, they yeah. handle that aspect well in that movie compared to, like, the kid in this movie like i yeah. agree, i agree there and even like you know your your um your new behind like situation room guy um reja jean page fine i guess but what's up this guy's asshole or like what's what's this well, why does this guy have a stick of his asshole kind of thing like i don't know anything about him 
and you don't have to create a complex villain character, but there's just nothing about him. They're just like, oh, well, the reason why he's like this way is because uh, you find out some stuff about, about what they've been doing with Black Ops and whatever else. But it's like, that stuff seems pretty normal. Like, it seems pretty, it seems pretty, Um, I don't want to say standard, but it seems pretty like just like a regular yeah, thing. That, stock that character Black Ops stuff. Do. Yeah, it's yeah a, exactly. Yeah. And I was no, like, this is not anything interesting. There's no real surprises here as far as what right. the movie's offering. And it's, so it just comes down to like, do you like seeing these people on screen? Do you like the action being presented? And, you know, it's easy to say, well, sure, I guess. But it's like, I there are better movies I've seen. Right. <laughs> and given, the, again, given who's involved, it's like, there's there's better ways to accomplish this. Yes. So I guess we can only hope now that the now the movie's been whatever success Netflix has claimed that it is, that the the sequel to The Gray Man, The Grayer yeah. Man, um, and, as well as the spinoff they're now planning with the Deadpool writers, that makes me shudder. Um, Interesting. I I, uh, I don't know what any of that's going to be or whether one that's going to happen. I'll just note that like the old guard and extraction are now getting sequels a few years sure. after they were released. Um, supposedly Red Notice is supposed to get two back to back sequels. So it's like, what? I have no, you know, it's hard to tell like if these things actually happen sure. or they're just announcements that are made, you know, like like Bright Two, which never happened. Um, so Got it's it. like, well, now I I need to know what happens to that one. I really do. So they put it in a closet somewhere. Uh, uh, yeah. so... <laughs> <laughs> give me some, give me some, uh, so much on a fanfic about that. And I'll just read that. Mm-hmm. Um, in any case, uh, sort of like the, the thing related to that. And the question that I sort of had, that I wrote in the notes is just more of, is this just how movies are going to be from now on? Like, this is how people are engaging with movies and that great. Well, this is everything that I wanted. Good looking people on the screen. Some action, some adventure, um, some comedy. It's got quote unquote some heart because there's some some connections between Ryan Gosling and people that he has to save. Like, is this just the status quo now? Like, you know, we're gonna get into another movie pretty soon about uh, a smaller movie pretty soon. But I sort of worry, and I'm sort of curious, like where your where your view is on this because, you know, we haven't seen anything from uh. We haven't seen like small scale action movies that are sort of about something. Maybe extraction. I mean, well, they're, they're there. It's just they don't get the attention that movies like this do. You yeah. know, there's, there's movies like what is it like? Um, not it comes at night. The night comes for us. That's with Iku Uwes, um, and one of the that's other guys right, from the raid, yeah. which is you know a small little movie from Indonesia that's yeah. fantastic. But it's like man, that doesn't have the draw of Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans in a two hundred million dollar action movie. Like they, yeah. these movies exist out there. There's another one, Carter. Uh, from the director of um not Jason Statham's Carter. Uh no. Um uh what's his name? Late, is it's not Lady Vengeance. Um there's a the villainous, the villainous, the director of villain coming That's a dope ass name. Yeah. Uh like there's these small there's small movies that exist and they, they they do their job or what have you, but it's like yeah. in terms of what I get I get your question as far as this movie are the the like what I see this as and the issue and what you're getting at is like, this is content, the movie. Um, and yeah, that's unfortunate because as long as it's successful, yeah, more things will be like that. As, as long as something like that gets the views and things that don't have more of an identity, don't the money's going to only go so far as far as who's getting it and who gets to use it. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's weird because like, and I, I see like you have a list of like these other Netflix movies here and it's like, yeah, it's more for budget. It is, but it's like, 
you know, movies like Red Notice and this are hugely popular, but yeah. they have anonymous direction. They look bad. They're not well regarded as far as, you know, critically. So it just comes down to audience, watch this, had good time, moved on. Yeah. And it's like, that, that's, that's part of like the list too is like, how many of these do we, do we remember and recall and, and reference? Well, you know. you know, obviously I do because I'm stupid, but like it's no, no, no. Aside but, from like but, movie but, heads, yeah. But but as far, but like the other ones, like just seeing here, you know, something like Six Underground or Outlaw King, those movies, like regardless of how much you like those movies or not, mm-hmm. they feel like movies from those directors. Six Underground is absolutely a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, it is. And a the movie mo- that money's is, on the screen, on the unfiltered. Left. The money exi- That's exactly the point too. It, yeah. it it is not a cheap looking movie. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's a that's a huge part of this too for these Netflix movies to want to you know be like big blockbusters, it would help if they looked like big blockbusters, and a lot of them really don't. Mm-hmm. A movie like this really doesn't. A movie like Red Notice definitely doesn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's and there's a lot and there's a lot more of those than there are of these kind of auteur driven films. Yeah. It's like you know The Irishman or The Five Bloods, which feel like the directors that signed on for these got to make the movie they signed up or you know got to put their stamp on it very specifically right and so it is a shame that you have more movies like the gray man that are you know they are they are empty calories yeah and you know part of the question there and the way that i would answer it too is just it's fast fast action cinema yes but this i hope that it i hope that it doesn't affect the way that other viewers or viewers came up right now will watch movies that are yet to be released so you might go and see, I don't know, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, and you're saying to yourself, why is this movie so slow? And it's actually not because it's slow, it's because it's taking time and building up tension, taking time and building up characters, the stakes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you're kind of just used to like, well, I just want to be dropped into a world where Six is killing everybody. It's like, not all movies are like that. And if you want to go see those, you know, more power to you. There's a lot of them out there, but not all movies are like this at all this is these are very fringe things that cost as much money that are not this good even then though it's like give me a sure drop it in but it's like make it good <laughs> is yeah. the thing. and it's not that i want to like disparage an audience for liking something that's not a thing that i want not, yeah that's not what i want to do like, again you like it you like it but if you you know offering up fast food you'll get fast food uh it's like interesting you're not wrong but that fast food doesn't need to cost that much money to to satisfy you that's a good point yeah Yeah. at what point is a 12 dollar cheeseburger worth it at a fast food place versus just going to like a boutique place that's also 12 bucks and you're just going to get a better product right so Mm. interesting food analogy it works out at the end there but yeah i mean the gray man I did you actually read details about what the future holds um, in terms of where they're going? I mean, that's all there is. It's just the fact that they they okay. they've announced I heard that there'll be too. a sequel yeah. and there will be a spinoff and the spinoff is going to be written by the Deadpool writers. Part one and two or part one, part two or part or it's the same on both of them. It's the same. Oh, guy. they are okay. Yeah. Different directors. Different directors. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Makes me wonder if Ryan got, Ryan Reynolds will inherently inevitably be involved in a Gray Man universe movie. I mean, it has to, and then it has to involve that he's there with Sam Jackson and some Hayek. Don't right? do that. This makes <laughs> this makes the most sense. Hitmen going after Hitmen? Come on. So, in any case, you know, um, 
yeah, I, I closing thoughts are just it's all over the place. It has a lot going. It has a lot of entertaining things, but it has too many ideas and doesn't really focus on it. And I wish that it did because if it did, then it would be a better movie for some degree. To some degree, um, I don't even care about like tightness and whatever like the runtime. It you know, it's just more of when you're when you're done with it. I'm probably never going to talk about this movie ever again. That's the thing. It's an in one ear out the other kind of movie. Like I've saw this a couple of weeks ago at this point, and I'm not necessarily struggling to remember it, but at the same time, it's like it's not like it's left a lasting impression. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's a movie that I saw and I moved on from. But here we I'm are. Gonna, talking I'm gonna present it. Hollywood a challenge. Give me two hundred million dollars, and I'll make a movie, and we'll see where we go from there. So if you're listening, Netflix, my banking account is zero 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 one. Right. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and just give me that money, and I'll go shoot you a two hundred million dollar picture. It's gonna win you an Oscar. That's all I can say. Well, the the challenge is dropped. Yeah. Um, all right, <laughs> so let's move on to the next film. Uh, this we're now we're gonna talk about Resurrection. When I was young, I did something bad. Unforgivable. There was this man, and he was handsome, charismatic, and he noticed me. But I guess I wasn't as tough as we thought. What happened? Nothing. I just, I just feel a bit off. That should have been some of the trailer for Resurrection. Here's the plot description once again. Margaret's life is in order. She's capable, disciplined, and successful. Everything is under control. That is until David returns, carrying with him the horrors of Margaret's past. Dun, dun, dun. This film is written and directed by Andrew Siemens. It stars Rebecca Hall and Tim Roth. It debuted at Sundance earlier this year to mm-hmm. um, strong reviews, at least for Hall, at, at the least. Um, now we have the film. Uh, it was in theaters and select release uh, around you know you know very very small release in theaters mm-hmm. and it's going to be on Shutter uh, in the coming week. Uh, with all that said, Abe, what do you think of Resurrection? Uh, I I thought that Resurrection was a really good thriller, and that it made me want to keep watching what was happening. It kind of made me question what was going on, um, all the time or as it as it continues. As far as like the the overall movie goes, like well, you know, I think that the movie is is good, like maybe pretty good. I don't know if it's great, but I think Rebecca Hall is fantastic in this movie. Um, Rebecca Hall has been continuing to give really really good performances. What, did she produce um, that Netflix movie from last year with Ruth Nega and? Um, oh, she directed. Yeah, passing. She, she directed. directed. She directed. Oh, she passing. directed. Okay, yeah. I thought she she produced it, but. You know, Rebecca Hall is like in this really interesting part of her career, which we'll get to later. But I thought that she was fantastic in this in terms of being um, like what you described there, like this really successful person that sort of starts to unravel on the screen. And what I really dug about this movie overall is that it gives you a sense of I don't know if we're losing it as a viewer or if she's losing it as a character or if the world is losing it altogether. Like I, I love that that conflict and I love that ambiguity and all of it. And then obviously you get to like the end there and the ending is the ending. But I dug that this was something that 
um, kept me kept me going. And I think from the standpoint, I've never, I haven't seen any of the of David's previous work, but uh, or I'm sorry, Andrew's previous work. But this is certainly a movie that I felt you could really pair well with um, uh, Alex Garland's Men from this year. Uh, in addition to like a few other things like Invisible Man and maybe even Mother from uh, was that David or Russell? Uh, uh, Aronof- Darren Aronofsky. Aronofsky, yeah, uh, from Aronofsky, but. I, I thought that there was like some really good visual elements of this, um, but on, on the whole, like I thought it was uh, pretty good. But but uh, wasn't super blown away by it. But maybe you might change my mind. Well, it stuck with me. I saw this in January when it was at a, you know, when it was Sundance when it was streaming on Sundance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, and I I I enjoyed it or I like the movie because I think Rebecca Hall is very good in it as well as Tim Roth for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has some lingering ideas and imagery that I couldn't, that didn't leave me. Um, I've since seen it again, um, you know, like very recently because uh, it's been a few months and I wanted to watch it again anyway. And I'd say I even, I might've even liked it more just because it, I think it's very strong of what it's trying to do as far as being this kind of, without getting into spoilers, being a film that focuses on forms of abuse and grooming and gaslighting, like, it you know it's a movie that you can call it a movie of its time but even on its own it's just i i think it's it, it's it would be easy to call it powerful if it was trying to be like an awards film but instead it's just massively effective because it's so like draining in how it approaches being this kind of psychological thriller mm-hmm. with a very intense focused lead performance uh so it's by by having like by being so dialed in on like what it's trying to do i really appreciated it mm-hmm. i think andrew siemens i haven't seen his other work um uh, but like this is a it's a very it feels like a very stripped down movie um and by doing that it it just it kept me very close to these characters and like what they're going through mm-hmm. and part of what works about hall's character or at least part of what kept me engaged with hall's character is that I I have no reason to like think this person deserves any of this. And that bothered me. <laughs> like mm-hmm. this, it, you know, there's eventually a reveal of a backstory that comes through in this fantastic, like seven minute unbroken monologue. Yeah. And even after that, I, it just, I kept feeling like bad for the things going, taking place, right. you know, and that, that's the kind of thing that can draw me into a film more. Cause I'm like, well, I need to see where this goes and how this works out. But this is like, I'm, the my my empathy levels are so high because it's like i don't want this to happen in this way and yet we're getting this and we're getting we're understanding like what tim roth is represents what have you you know there's however you want to interpret things and i i I just found i found it all utterly compelling Mm -hmm. um that again the performances are top now you know yeah between hall and roth they're very good you also have the daughter played by grace kaufman um, who's also effective in this film like it and by being when I say it's stripped down earlier I mean it's there's not a lot to like it's not a flashy movie it's not trying to be right uh, I don't that doesn't make me think it's like under directed it just it's it seems like it's very it's very purposely using like gray and white settings like locations that don't feel like they draw attention to themselves so it can instead focus on you know the intensity of these performances mm-hmm. and that's a benefit to the movie for you know I think it it's wisely making these kinds of choices. Uh, so, and, and by doing that, it becomes this slow burn. 
right. where you're anticipating a lot because of what Hall seems to be presenting and possibilities of where things go, but it's only going to kind of reveal so much. And without getting too far into things, it certainly makes choices by the end that <laughs> were a good reason why the movie sticks stuck with me the way it is. Sure, has. yeah, of course. So yes, I, I I really appreciate what this movie's doing. I think it's doing a very good job at presenting this kind of thriller. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think it's, I, I certainly think it's a movie that's, that's well worth checking out if you wanted to see these. An, another like very strong performance from Rebecca Hall, who's between this and like the night house from last year. Right. There's that movie, Christine, where she played the, the actual, the true story of that news reporter that shot very herself devastating. on air. Yeah. Like these are movies that are, you know, very dramatic and very, can be very disturbing. Right. But like, she's absolutely giving like award worthy performances in these movies. Yeah. I, I want to get to that too. And I, I, I just want to, uh, that's related to this movie that we're talking about resurrection. Rebecca Hall has been giving a lot lately. And I remember when Christine was coming out or when it came out and the award circuit was kind of going on and people were like, well, she's given a, she, I think the entirety of the year was like, she's giving a, a fantastic performance. I don't did she get snubbed or uh she didn't I don't remember if she got nominated for best actress for Christine but it, it's not it's less snubbing it's just more of there's smaller movies that yeah that are other also, things came out yeah just, they're and, also and they're also just they're not the kind of things that get Oscar like you have to be like you have to it has to hit some kind of like zenith in pop culture sure, or within yeah. the critical community to like get to that level it's similar to totally like, understanding so, so similar to something like nightcrawler with jake gyllenhaal where it's like it's not like anyone didn't like that performance it's not like anyone didn't think it was one of the best performances of the year right right but it's also a really dark movie that just doesn't get nominated for oscars like it just doesn't happen for that fair movie. understandable yeah the, the point of like my my um tangent is that rebecca hall is giving a lot in her movies and what I like about this movie, too, is that there is a physical manifestation of that that you see on the screen. Um, like, she looks sick and meek at points. And at one point, I was like, this is really disturbing. She's just, like, lying on the couch there, mm-hmm. like, with her eyes open. And I was like, I don't know what I'm watching right now, but I, I'm worried for her health. Yeah. And I I want to just go out on a branch here and say, like, you know, we give a lot of props to a lot of, like, male actors um, for body change stuff. But people like Rebecca Hall, Viola Davis, when she did um, the movie with Chadwick Boseman a few years ago, um, there's a lot of body transformation for a lot of female actors as well. And, you know, I think Charlie Theron won an Academy Award for Monster where she yeah. had to gain all that weight. But it's one of those things where it's like, you know, actors are very versatile and actors go through a whole lot and not just, you know, the the Christian Bales of the world for the machinist or, or what have you. So kudos to rebecca hall for like really really committing to these parts and these roles and other screen actors that just really go all out because you while we don't really talk about rebecca hall as like being like ultra method in like off the screen kind of thing hey man if you're giving a lot and you're really giving it to the craft that's where it comes true and it becomes like authentic versus like you know what we talked about with the gray man and some characters where it's like feels as though they're just not even they're just reading lines from the script and Rebecca Hall is like living the this experience, so it actually adds to the the pressure of the movie, the tension in the scenes. And to your point there, what I really like about this, and into my next point about just like the psychology of unraveling on film, I dig that this is all from Rebecca Hall's point of view. Like, yes, Tim Roth is introduced, and then her daughter uh, Grace Coffin uh, are introduced too, 
and even like a coworker um that she like uh, mm -hmm. messes around with from time to time but more just like this is all from her point of view so we don't cut away to like tim roth just like plotting his next point or his her daughter like talking to her friend about a, an unseen friend about how crazy her mom is or what have you you know like, this is all just her so we are feeling like as like disheveled as Rebecca Hall's character is feeling and I think that that's really a well done thing you actually you actually uh screenshotted something later um from the same article that I was reading about how he talks about stylization uh, in his movies mm. and how he didn't want it to be too over the top or too like um too this visually like crazy engaging just because he doesn't want it to to right off the bat think that she's losing it or what have you and i think that's really a, a hard thing to do in movies because um i want to believe rebecca hall in everything that she's doing here but also at times i was like is tim roth even real you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i don't know like it's such a it's such a cool i don't i don't think it's a director trait but i think it's such a cool thing to have a trait to have in your movie of just like you've done such a good job of establishing the world here I don't know what's happening. At one point, I was like, this is probably all not even real. Like, none, like her daughter doesn't exist. Tim Roth doesn't exist. Like, she's just like in a mental institution somewhere. Um, but that's how good, like, and how engaging this, this small movie can be. Yeah. I mean, I'd agree as far as there are ways to read this film as, as far as what it's presented to you versus what might be actually occurring. Um, sure. I, <laughs> because i'm dancing around stuff but it's like the the way tim roth is deployed in this movie is just very effective and the more you realize how those interactions are going and what's involved in them i think that the better the film is as far as when you think back on and think of the possibilities of what could be occurring with mm -hmm. with with uh with hall's margaret uh so it's I, I i there's a lot of like rewarding qualities of a movie like this that can yeah where it's it's very deliberate, like I said, as far as what it's doing. It's, I think it's constructed well enough without, a, you know, it's not bad. It's only what, like an hour 40 at most. Yeah, it's pretty with, short. With, with credits. So I mean, it's not, it's not, it doesn't become repetitive as far as the things that she has to go through to get to a certain end point. Um, where mm -hmm. I, I, I've seen other movies that have done that as far as like you kind of get it, but then the movie has to kind of keep going through the motions anyway, where this one feels like it's constructed tightly enough to get you to the places you need to go before giving yeah. you some some kind of resolution and yeah. what a resolution <laughs> you know, yeah I, I do want to i did want to comment that like i love that ending a satisfying ending i will say like like the the ending last last part i think mm -hmm. that's like up for debate mm -hmm. but you know the third act and where it goes i was like this is a like it it feels like not of a of a piece but it's more of like it feels whole in a way of just like giving you like a 360 degree of Rebecca Hall's character uh Margaret and then kind of just happening or what happens at the end there was like I I I I feel like it's a lot of questions were answered and yet some remain and that's yes. a pretty cool feeling yeah no that's that's a good way to put it yeah um you want you had some themes here that I wanted to just dive into just very briefly you were talking about gaslighting grooming um, abuse and I, I certainly felt those as well of just the the ideas of men in general being terrible um toxic men I should I should clarify sure. yeah. being terrible uh, and kind of just things that like I I I certainly felt as though she was um 
sort of like of two minds, which I'm glad because, you know, she, she has an intern with her too in this movie and the intern's going through some things and she's just like, you gotta just tell that guy to, to leave, to get lost, to split, you know, and, and yet here she is not heeding her own advice throughout the movie. And I was like, this is a really interesting turn of events, but also um, I dug again, the ending. So the themes of just like the grooming thing was the, the biggest one. And then obviously like the, the psychological abuse that happens during those grooming years and whatever else happens. That's why and then, I, uh, like, there's just like little things. Like when she first interacts with Tim Roth's character and he pretends not to know her, uh and making and, you feel crazy yeah and then he kind of flips that around in a way as is like no you told me like and it's like god <laughs> i'm I so know, frustrated right. by this and it yeah so it it's it's playing it it what i the, the one of the takeaways i had and like thinking more about it is this has absolutely happened in some form and mm-hmm. and, and not once <laughs> as far as in reality goes and that's i mean it's alarming to think about to like the degree but it's like the things that are going on here, like I, I, I don't have an issue thinking that there are people that are absolutely like this that have that have both fallen prey to people like this and people that have exhibited this kind of this kind of beha- behavior is a way to put it like sure. this kind of yeah. extreme like torture essentially, um, and it, and that's very sad. And having a movie like this, it's like sure there's perhaps you can say there's an extreme it's taken to, but at the same time it's like. I don't it's not I don't feel like it's not ungrounded from reality. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's the the other thing that adds to um the tension in the in the entire movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's cuz this is so grounded in what she's doing, how she's approaching Tim Roth at a park when they first meet. No spoiler. Um and then even later when she has a discussion with a police officer about how to go about this and that guy's not being an asshole, it's just that like nothing has really occurred and you're just like She's giving these answers to him about the questions that he's asking. And, you know, it's it creates like a world of of. Uh, I, I, you can feel lonely at times and alienating, uh, but at the same time, you're just like, I know that something's wrong and something's happening, even though I can't really describe it. And then the rest of the movie happens. And again, uh, it gets into some territory that I didn't think it was going to get into. But also it gets into some territory where I was like, this is satisfying. Well, I was curious what you're going to think of this movie because it's certainly intense and not the, it is, especially not like the most when, fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I had heard a lot about Rekka Hall's performance and then I was like, you know, I've heard that it's kind of spooky. And then I saw the Shudder logo and I was like, oh, great. It's a slasher movie. And it's not really a slasher movie. It's more of just a psychological terror movie. Uh, and the psychological terror was very effective. Um, so, again, I, I want to talk to you probably off mic about the ending ending, but uh, I would say that people should check it out. If nothing for the Rebecca Hall and Tim Roth performances, but specifically Rebecca Hall. And again, she does a body transformation change in this movie that might, it seems very slight. You don't really notice it a whole lot, but she does seem very gaunt at some points in this movie. Yeah, I would definitely agree as far as seeking a film like this out. If you're into kind of psychological horror thriller type films, if you, want to see kind of not say like twisted tales but certainly tales that are informed by you know strong filmmaking strong acting like i think this is yeah. one that does the job um and again it'll be available on shutter uh soon enough okay and, and like i think vod in general in some way i don't know mm-hmm. how shutter works exactly but yeah so resurrection it's a uh, twisted <laughs> <laughs> 
Check All it right. out. So I don't want to leave us off here with talking about a very you know dark and moody movie. So I figured, why don't we bring back once again <laughs> our movie scene reenactments? I'm just seeing it now. I did not see it earlier. I'm just scrolling down on our notes now, and I'm just laughing. <laughs> so this week's scene, we're going to be t- we're going to be recalling a scene from 1980s classic Empire Strikes Back. Okay, Abe, I want you to be Luke. Okay, all right. So I will take on. All right. I will take uh, on let the me, other get, the other two characters. Yeah. Let me get my uh, my Luke impression ready. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, I've I've got it. I've got what I'm gonna go for for my Luke impression. Okay, count me down and we'll start. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> In three, two, one. Luke, you must complete the training. Um, no, I can't keep the vision out of my head. They are my friends. I've got to help them. You must not go. But. Han and Leia will die if I don't! You don't know that. Even Yoda cannot see their fate. But I can help them! I feel the Force! But you cannot control it. This is a dangerous time for you, when you will be tempted by the dark side of the Force. Yes, yes! To Obi-Wan, you listen. The cave. Remember your failure with the cave. But I've learned so much since then! Master Yoda, I promise to return and finish what I've begun! You have my word! It is you and your abilities the Empire wants. That is why your friends are made to suffer. That's why I have got to go. Luke, I don't want to lose you to the Emperor the way I lost Vader. You won't. Stopped, they must be. On this all depends. Only a fully trained Jedi Knight with the forces forces his ally will conquer Vader and his Emperor. If you end your training now, if you choose the quick and easy path as Vader did, you will become an agent of evil. Patience. I'm gonna switch up my loop. And sacrifice Han and Leia? If you honor what they fight for, yes. If you choose to face Vader, you will do it alone. I cannot interfere. I understand. R2, fire up the converters. Luke, don't give in to hate. That leads to the dark side. Strong is Vader. Mind what you have learned. Save it. Save you, it can. I will, and I'll return. I promise. Told you I did. Reckless is he. Now matters are worse. That boy is our last hope. No, there is another. And scene. That's so much. (laughs) There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, going on there. See, it went from what, like pimply foy, pimply team yeah, to Keanu. Yeah, went from free stride X in the uh, in the uh, parking lot to Keanu. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm I'm kind of losing it at the second reading of of uh, the second line of Luke there. So we'll just go for uh, <laughs> Simpsons kid. Well, that was a very dry read of the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, and I still until... like you calling people. Don't call me lady. <laughs> Until until someone complains, we will keep doing these. <laughs> for, the, for the specials, at least. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So with all that out of the way, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron Abe. You can find more of my work on personalblogthecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I write for Wheel of Entertainment, Remove Reviews, Wise of Blue for Blu-ray and Criterion Reviews, some variety stuff occasionally, and I'm on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over on Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose, hashtag you don't throw somebody a loaded gun. <laughs> you can find all the other episodes out now with their name on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. 
SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HSWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnotpockets at gmail.com. Or write on our Facebook wall, Facebook.com, slash outnotpodcast, or tweet us at twitter.com slash outnot underscore podcast. And of course, our Instagram page, instagram.com slash outnot underscore podcast as well. Uh, that is this week's show. Next week, we have a double header. We're going to be talking Bullet Train and Prey. So stay tuned for Can't those wait. two reviews. Um, but that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, so long and goodbye.